Good morning. Welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. We are glad that you're here with us for worship today. I have just a couple of announcements. We are excited to have our uh, young musicians leading us in worship this morning. Uh, we're glad that y'all are here singing and we welcome all of the, the families and friends and those who are here to support them. We look forward to that time later in our service. We are glad that you are here with us for worship this morning. Um, and I pray that each of us would prepare our hearts as we worship our God. If you would follow along either on the screens or you, the words are also in your bulletin to join in singing the call to worship. Um, if you're able to stand for this and remain standing for the, second, uh, um, the next song, which is our first hymn, uh, I invite you to stand while we sing the call to worship. opening him, I'd like to share a story with you. In his memoirs, President George W. Bush recounts what happened on September 11, 2011. He was in a schoolroom in Florida when he learned the towers of the trade, World Trade Center had been hit and that the United States was under attack. As the Secret Service was rushing him down Florida Route 41, he learned a third plane had struck the Pentagon. He sat back in his seat and absorbed the news. By the time he arrived at Air Force One, it was clear that the White House was on war footing. Agents carried assault rifles and surrounded the airplane. Bush entered the 747, stepped into the presidential cabin, and asked to be alone. He thought of the fear that was seizing the nation. 
He could see the fear on the faces of the flight attendants on board the plane. He thought of those who had already been killed in the attacks and of their families. There alone in that little office, getting ready for takeoff, Bush prayed for guidance. Then he thought of the lyrics of one of his favorite hymns, God of Grace and God of Glory. The recurring refrain of the hymn says, grant us wisdom, grant us courage for the facing of this hour. If you would please join me in singing God of Grace and God of Glory, number 285. seated.
Thank you, children, for leading us in worship and for Teresa and June and your faithful leadership with that group and your parents who are here and grandparents who might be here this morning, this evening, this morning, where, what are we, this morning, uh, for your faithfulness and bringing your kids for practice and all of that. Um, we are grateful for the leadership we have with our children. Uh, at this time, we do want to enter into a, just a brief time of some special recognition. Uh, Jamie's up here on behalf of Building and Grounds, and we are delighted to have Jamie Lee with us and Ashley, children, Ashley's parents, and Winburn Lee with us. We have prayed for you. Um, what, about 17 months ago, is that what you said? And uh, we are so glad that you are with us this morning. You have had quite a journey, but we are delighted that each of you are with us today. When I came into town several years ago, one of the first things you notice, of course, is obviously the facility, but then you begin to look around the facility, and it looked mighty good. And this man right here has been responsible for that for 26 years. 
And so, Jamie, we are grateful for your leadership and your assistance and partnership with our church um, and with your family and all that for these years. And so at this time, I'm going to turn it over to Jamie. Well, I hope I can do this some justice. 26 years. 26 years is a long time. It takes dedication. It takes a, a, a love for the job that you do. And I could see that in Jamie Lee. Jamie Lee did a job here at the church that, um, you know, for 26 years, that's tough to do. And our church has been truly blessed by his service and his dedication. And it has to be a love for the job for what he got paid. <laughs> I can tell you that right now. And he had a love for this church. Otherwise, he wouldn't have done it. You know, the, uh, Jamie Lee grew up in this church. He was a youth in this church. And, uh, you know, uh, he started out here as a youth cutting our grass. And from Bowling Springs Baptist Church, we want to thank you, Jamie Lee. And I ask you to, if you would come up for a minute. Um, but we have been truly blessed to have him for that long. It's, it's sad to say that uh, he won't be cutting the grass anymore, but I'm going to tell you, uh, he has done a fantastic job over the years. I've been on building the grounds a long time, and, you know, I've had no complaints or anything. And, and you know, I, over these years, uh, I've come to the conclusion, Jamie Lee, you are a godly man. You are a humble man. And from Bowling Springs Baptist Church, we want to thank you. Thank you. And we have been very blessed to have you here with us. And we surely are going to miss you. Thank you. Jamie Lee, this is a uh, small appreciation from Bowling Springs Baptist Church. Keys to that Corvette. To you. Yeah, keys to the Corvette. Yeah, that's what who's, who, who's got them? Who's got the keys to the Corvette? <laughs> Want to present you with a new Bible. Thank you. This can go well with uh, your ministry at your church. Thank and for the, those of you who do not know, you can read the little insert there. Uh, he is a very faithful member at Double Springs. He has a, uh, what is it, cowboy ministry that yes, you have? Uh, one day cowboy camp at, at, our, at, our, at our place, and it's ran through the church. Okay. Uh, we also uh, have taken up a love offering that we, I want to present to you too this morning. Just the keys. Thank you. <laughs> you like to say yeah, something? Yeah, I'll say something. Okay. Thank you all for giving me an opportunity. Um, I'm going to try to get through this without crying. Um, when I started, I said I was wanting to be one of the longest employees of uh, Bowling Springs Baptist, and I didn't think we was ever going to get rid of Susan or Billy. Uh, and Betsy, wherever Betsy is, Betsy, I'm, I'm not, uh, I know you've been here longer than I have, and um, I'm not going to try to battle, battle that one. Um, but thank you all for giving me a chance. I just want to... Um, 
it's, there's never been any issues here. I just want to spend more time with my family. So basically, you won this battle. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. Our hymn is number 587, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, 587. If you are able, please stand and join in singing. just want to very quickly remind you uh, over the last couple of weeks you have been informed and reminded about the the home missions offering uh, you've heard it from the Southern Baptist 
perspective and the Cooperative Baptist perspective. I just want to remind you that the end gathering is next Sunday. Be praying about what God would have you do uh, as you prepare to give. Thank you. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we give of our times, tithes and our times, let us also remember to be faithful in our faithfulness and our mercy. We ask these blessings of these offerings in your name. Amen.
I don't know what's on your mind or heart this morning as we think about not only the struggles and trials that we have, but to think about those within our world. And I tell you what, the message that the choir just sang, we have hope amidst our trials and amidst our difficulties, amidst our heartaches because of the cross and the significance and the meaning behind the cross. And of course, what Christ, obviously what Christ did for us on the cross and three days later, he rose again. And uh, we continue to remember that. We continue to focus on Christ and his path towards the cross over these last few weeks. And so we're going to continue that this morning. If you have your gospel, your Bible, turn to the gospel of Luke chapter 13, verses one through nine. It will be on the screen, but as I say from time to time, it's good to have your Bible, whether that's a, a digital copy or a printed copy to be able to, to reference and to continue to look to. But Luke 13, we've been continuing our journey with Jesus towards the cross. And today, uh, Today's message has a little bit of a sting to it, and uh, we'll see that as we, as we move forward. But Luke chapter 13, verses 1 through 9, at that very time there were some present who told him about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. He asked them, do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way that they were worse sinners than all the other Galileans? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Were those 18 who were killed when the tower of Siloam fell on them? Do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. And then he told them a parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, see here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree. And still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil, he replied. Sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. Will you pray with me this morning? God, we all come with different things on our hearts and our minds today. We've We've sang songs, we've prayed prayers, we've been challenged to give. We've heard wonderful music from our children and from the adults. Father, we acknowledge and we know that you are on the move. You are on the move in our world today. Sometimes we can see it clearly and other times maybe not so much. But Father, we also know that you desire to be and you are on the move in our lives as well. And so Father, today as your word has been read and as it is preached, God, I pray sincerely and honestly and authentically as I know how that you would be on the move within each of us as well. God, we desire to hear from you. We desire to walk in your ways. We desire to be more like Christ as we journey throughout this life, as we grow in our own maturity as human beings, but as we grow spiritually, Father, we desire to reflect you more clearly. So Father, teach us today and Lord, help us to be honest and open and help us to do the hard work of repentance, the hard work of asking for your forgiveness for when we know we've missed the mark. Lord, we pray that you would plant us in good soil and that, Father, you would nurture us, fertilize us, that you would surround us with people who know you and love you, people who want to grow in you. Help us to pursue righteous paths so that we may be vessels that bear fruit for the kingdom of God, not for an institution not for notoriety, but simply for the kingdom's sake. Forgive us for when we get distracted, 
from that dear God. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Here in this section of Luke, as I've said for the last few weeks and we'll, and we'll be continuing, we are moving, I hope, with Jesus towards the cross and towards Jerusalem. Today takes a little bit of a different turn for us that becomes a little more personal when we begin to think about the message that we're reading and the messages that we will hear over the next few weeks. But the message today is a little harder to stomach because it has to do with change. Was it Mark Twain who said the only person that likes change is a wet baby? I think it was Mark Twain, I'm not sure. I've heard it of different people. But none of us like change. And yet Jesus, to the people here in his audience and to us today, I feel as a church, if we read this and take it to heart, there's going to be change involved. We've all heard the phrase, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. And I understand this is not the time to be talking about a fence. I understand that. I'm not talking about the fence on a border, but I am talking about the fence that we can envision today that may be in our own backyards. Before we spend significant time and energy on helping others change direction or giving advice on others and how to care for their lawn, we must first look at our own backyard and deal with what we may find there. The message of Jesus as he moves towards Jerusalem is not a message just for everybody else. It is a message of repentance for you and for me and for the church of Jesus Christ. There is a reason this phrase, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence is so well known. It is our human experience, or human nature if you will, invites us to look around. Not only as we're out and about each day, but we do this, unfortunately, in many ways through social media. And let me just say, I have not missed Facebook. I'm, I'm missing things that you're telling me about, but I haven't missed the time uh, that I would have otherwise been spent on it. But I do think I am going back to Facebook after Lent, but it's certainly, it may not be on my phone. It may just be on my computer whenever I sit down to look at it. Um, but we oftentimes compare ourselves, whether it's we, as we go about our daily lives or through TV and what we're hearing and seeing on TV, but then again through social media as well. We compare our lives because we want to see, are we coming out on top from where everybody else is or are we kind of under the bottom from where everybody else is? There's this constant comparison. And so that's why we often refer to this phrase, the grass is greener on the other side. Jesus was the master at pulling people back across the fence to look at their own backyard. Let me say that again. Jesus was the master at pulling people back across the fence to look at their own backyard. He did this throughout the Gospels. You remember the story when Jesus was asked, well, who is my neighbor? And he began to tell them a story that was the story of the Good Samaritan. And he challenged them to look at ways that they could give people they didn't even consider, give things to people that they didn't even consider their neighbors. He did this in the Gospel of John chapter 8 when the woman was bought before Jesus and the, the crowd wanted Jesus to publicly condemn this woman. But what did Jesus do? He pulled them back into their own backyard and said, before you throw a stone at this woman who's caught in adultery, those without a sin, you cast the first stone. Jesus was the master at pulling people back into their own backyard and say, take a look at things here in your backyard. In Luke, back in Luke, a few chapters back, 6, 40, 41, Jesus had some strong words regarding taking a closer look at ourselves. You may remember these words of Jesus. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? First, take the log out of your own eye. 
Today's passage, Jesus addresses those who thought it must have been the Galileans' wickedness and their own fault that many of them were killed because of their sin. They thought it was, uh, and it's, we don't know a lot about these two stories in the beginning of the text today. Uh, the second one was this tower in Siloam. It was a, it was a water, uh, it was a pool. Jesus told the, the one he healed one time of the blind man to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. But there was obviously a tower there and that tower fell at some point and killed many. And so many were saying it was because of their wickedness, their unrighteousness that this event happened. And how often have we heard that after 9-11 or after some big tsunami or earthquake or tornado that it must have been some fault of the people who were killed, their unrighteousness, their sinful behavior that led God to wipe them out. Jesus contradicts that belief and contradicts that thought pattern here in today's passage. Jesus challenges the crowd. He said, do you suppose that those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed were worse culprits than all the men who live in Jerusalem? Like I said, the Bible or church history does not tell us a lot about what's happening here, these two occurrences, but one thing we know for sure, Jesus said that neither the Galileans nor the workers that fell and were killed with this tower should be blamed for their calamity. Instead, he says that blaming others, everyone should look to their own day, instead of blaming others, everyone should look to their own day of judgment. Did you catch that? In verse five, Jesus seems to be saying that whether a person is killed in an accident or miraculously survives, this is not a measure of righteousness. Everyone has to die, but not everyone has to stay dead. Jesus has promised that those who believe in him will not perish, but have eternal life. In today's text, Jesus didn't let the self-righteous individuals gaze any longer across anyone else's fence when he, said to, when he said to them, unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. As I thought about it and studied this week, I think a better title months ago or a few weeks ago when I planned, started to plan the sermon would have been a question. And that question could have been, is God moving in our own backyard? Jesus commands us to go beyond our backyards to share the good news of Jesus Christ. That is something that this church, that the staff and the leaders of this church must take seriously as we move forward in 2019. But first, today's passage is a serious challenge to look at our own backyards and our own hearts before we begin to change the world around us. You know, we live in a day when everyone wants to blame everybody else for the ills of the world. Christians want to blame the Muslims, the Muslims want to blame the Christians and the Jews, uh, the fundamentalists want to blame uh, the liberals and Hollywood, and uh, liberals want to blame the fundamentalists. It's everybody's looking for somebody to blame. Amid all of this noise, both then and now, Jesus in the passage that we're looking at today says, hold on a minute. Do you sense that? When we went from Jesus in verses, talking in verses one through five, all of a sudden to verse six, he kind of changes the tune a little bit. He says, hold on a minute. And he asks us to think about a lonely fig tree. Let me read what I read earlier again. Verse six of 13, he says, he began telling this parable. A man had a fig tree which had been planted in his vineyard and he came looking for fruit on it and he did not find any. And he said to the vine, to the vine, for the vineyard keeper, behold, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree without finding any. Cut it down. There's an exclamation mark there. Why does it even um, use up the ground is what it says. 
He answered and said to him, let it alone, sir, for this year too until I dig around it and put fertilizer, uh, put in fertilizer. If it bears fruit next year, fine, but if not, cut it down. One that has not produced fruit for a long time, this fig tree. The farmer and the owner is saying, cut the unproductive tree down and the gardener, or in this case, Jesus is implied, pleads for one more year to water, to fertilize, to nurture, in an effort to bring it to fruitfulness for which it was created. Because of the gardener's commitment to work, to bring out the best in it, the tree was allowed one more year to change its ways and to be fruitful, and if not, it would be cut down. This morning, Jesus is calling us not to look at the dead spots in our neighbor's backyard. I certainly have many that they could look at in mine. But he's calling us to look at the dead spots in our own. With this story of the fig tree, he offers us hope as he cares for us until those places come to life again. If we're all honest, we can, as we're sitting here and just kind of thinking about the bigger message of this morning in the text, we can all think about some dead spots, not in our physical yards, but in our lives. And the nurture, first the confession that needs to take place to acknowledge that those dead spots are there. And then the fertilization, then the reading of God's word, the time in prayer, the work that it will take to fertilize those dead spots, to bring them to life once again. If we are found gazing too long over the fence, we don't have to confront our own sin. And Jesus here in today's passage reminds us that we are living in the season of second chances. And we are being saved from the acts. Jesus desires to restore you and me to our best. He wants us to be at our best. He wants us to be at our best on the job. He wants us to be at our best as a husband and as a wife, as a father, as a mother, as a brother and as a sister, as a son or a daughter, as an aunt and uncle and grandparent, as an employee, as a boss, uh, as a citizen of, the, of our uh, town and state and country and the citizen of the world and how we care for it. He wants us to be at our best at all times. God is moving over our fence and in our community and our world, but today, we are reminded that God is leading us to focus on realities that will bring change and growth in our own backyard. We'll see in the, in the coming weeks, as we begin to see today, that Jesus, as he moves closer to the cross, his message on repentance is ever clearer, is that much more bold, is that much more direct. Looking within, repenting of our sin allows God to bring about the healing and the change that we need to move with him over the fence and into a world that desperately needs to hear that God loves them and God has a plan for them and God has a purpose for their life. We have all failed to bear fruit, the fruit expected of us, and we all deserve to be cut down. But Christ intercedes on our behalf and does everything in his power to help us bear that good fruit. What kind of fruit is your life bearing today? If there are those dead spots in my life, in your life, in our life, what are we doing to begin to work, to fertilize, and to, to see that things begin to change? 
As I talked about change, it doesn't happen quickly. A small boat on the ocean, though, or a little canoe on a lake can turn around quickly. And so there are some things in our lives that we can begin to change from this point forward right now. There's some other shifts in our lives, some other big things in our lives that take some time. You don't turn an ocean liner around overnight or just in a matter of a minute. But it takes sometimes help. It takes some tugboats and it takes some time to get that big ship turned around. But the first step towards change, the first step in coming to Christ and letting him bear that fruit in our life is being honest. And sometimes that's hard to do. But my hope and prayer is that you will join with me as we journey towards the cross, as we journey with Jesus towards Jerusalem, as we move with him, that you would allow him to begin to move in your heart, in your life. If you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, that's the great place, the best place to start. For many of you here, you have put your faith and trust in Christ. But don't let the work that continues to, uh, that God continues to do in us with his fertilizing and his nurturing of, of us, his plant, his tree, if you will, don't let that work stop. Don't let that work be hindered by apathy, by complacency, by just simply going through the motions of what it means to be a follower of Christ. But let him truly have his way. I love the music this morning, God of grace and glory and amazing grace. And I think we're going to close with uh, beginning to sing uh, Just As I Am. And you know, that's how we have to come. That's the only way we can come when we come to faith in Christ is come as we are. Because if we come in any other way, we're simply not going to have the life that Christ has for us. But come as we are, confessing our sins and saying, God, I've been guilty of looking at everybody else's backyard, telling everybody else what they should do but I failed to look at my own. And so God, have your way in me as I come just as I am. Father, I love you and I thank you for this day and I thank you for your word, Lord. When we read it, it has power. And Lord, it, your spirit is in it and it can change lives. And we know that. Many of us in this room are the recipients of your spirit working through your word to change our lives. Father, help us to realize that that just didn't happen at one point in our life and now you're really not up to anything, but God, you are on the move. You are on the move in our world around us and you are on the move in our lives. And Father, you want us to be fruit-bearing disciples of Jesus Christ. Father, we are living in a world where it certainly needs to see more fruit from your church and from your people. And so Father, convict us. Lead us in paths of righteousness for your namesake. Lord, we love you. We commit this time to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. The altar is open for any commitment or prayer time that you would like to, to have this morning. If you desire membership in the body of Bowling Springs Baptist Church, I'd be delighted to talk with you about that. But let's stand and sing this old beloved hymn, hymn number 500, Just As I Am.